Hi everyone and welcome to this week's Grad Cracker webinar and our last webinar of this season, where I'm beyond excited to be joined by CERN. For those of you who aren't familiar with CERN, then they are the European Organisation for Nuclear Research. At CERN, physicists and engineers and many more types of people are probing the fundamental structure of the universe. They use the world's largest and most complex scientific instruments to study the basic constituents of matter, the fundamental particles. Today, we're going to be hearing about how you, our STEM students, could end up working at a place like nowhere else on Earth. So let's jump in. Firstly, let's start by meeting Priscilla and Adam. So could you start by telling our audience a little bit more about your roles at CERN? Priscilla, starting with you. Sure. So hi, everyone. Good afternoon to all the students joining from different universities in the UK. Uh, I have been working at CERN for the last four years in the talent acquisition team, and I support the function with various uh, varied tasks. I would say uh, I'm responsible for sourcing students, for example, on Grad Cracker and also running A to Z recruitment, as we say, in talent acquisition. So from start to the day the person starts. But I also work uh, under the talent acquisition team. We have a sub-team that is called the, the talent attraction team. So uh, coordinating outreach events for, uh, for a student to attend, planning social media campaigns to promote our many internships and graduate role programs. I also report on the statistics on the success of those events and also on success, success of job boards. Mm -hmm. And I also I am also recently been I have also been recently appointed as the diversity and inclusion officer for HR to improve our diversity in special in terms of uh, underrepresented member states and uh, gender. Fantastic. Must keep you very busy there, Priscilla. <laughs> I'm very busy. <laughs> yeah, very busy. <laughs> and Adam, um, could you tell us a bit more about your role, please? Yeah. Um, so thank you very much for joining. Um, I'm Adam. Uh, I also work at Talent Acquisition and I'm actually an uh, admin student. So I do here my 12 months internship. Um, I started in September, so I'm still quite a newbie, but yeah, <laughs> it's on the halfway. And Priscilla is actually my supervisor. So um, basically from uh, supporting all the recruitment processes, um, I also help with employer branding and outreach events. So um, now I should be like the main contact person for, for the UK because we very welcome, um, we very welcome the UK nationals um, to apply for our jobs. Uh, I also help with the statistics and um, also I love to present. So maybe this is the reason why I'm here today. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you, Adam. So will the students applying today um, from the UK, will they be in contact with either yourself or Priscilla during the recruitment process? Uh, very probably if they would be applying for technical studentship or mm -hmm. for the gra graduate roles. Fantastic. So there you go. You can put a face to a name there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and... Moving back to you, Priscilla, could you just tell us a little bit more about what CERN does? I know it's difficult to encapsulate quickly, but if you could give it a go, that'd be fab. <laughs> sure, and I think uh, you introduced, well, a little bit about CERN, explained that it stands for the European Organization for Nuclear Research. We hire physicists, engineers, and technicians to, in order for, for us to understand more about the fundamental structure of the universe. And we use the world's largest and most complex scientific instruments to understand the, this basic constituents of matter. 
uh, the fundamental particles. And the most famous of them all is the Large Hadron Collider, where trillions of protons race around the 27-kilometer ring uh, collider in opposite directions over 11,000 times per second, uh, traveling very close to the speed of light. But also there are more to CERN than just the Large Hydron Collider, however, is the most successful one. We actually have a, a whole lot of accelerators in what we call the CERN's accelerator complex, which is a succession of machines that accelerate particles to increasing higher energies. And each machine boosts, uh, boosts the energy of a beam of particles before injecting it into the next machine in sequence. Ultimately, it culminates to the Large Hydron Collider. And just for reference, because I mentioned before about the underrepresented member states, we are actually, we are run by 23 member states and 10 associate member states. They are the ones that uh, contribute towards the CERN's budget as an intergovernmental organization. But also there are many other countries around the world involved with CERN in different ways. And we welcome on site every day, for example, about 9,000 people ranging from experienced uh, professionals, uh, experienced scientists, recent graduates, students, and uh, high school students even. So, and also uh, not only from those member states, it's, uh, we have collab we collaborate with universities all around the globe. Fantastic. Thank you, Priscilla. There really is so much going on at CERN, isn't there? Um, and today we are going to hear from a couple of technical students. We'll come um, and meet Fergus and Ellie in a minute um, to tell you a little bit about one, you know, a couple of different areas of CERN, but there is a huge amount of opportunity. Um, so so can I just interrupt? Sorry yeah. to be a pain, but I'm just thinking, Priscilla, so right now, just to put in perspective, it looks as though you are sat in the ring. Is that right? So I just, yeah, I'm not in the tunnel, but I thought it would be interesting for uh, the students to have a glance of what's happening 100 meters underground. Just so you've here. got particles whizzing past you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It does look very realistic, though. It yeah. Um, Sorry, Steph, yeah. No, that's fine. Um, so yeah, it was, brings me kind of next to you, Priscilla, to find out again a little bit more about your student and graduate program opportunities and, and what you know the students watching today could apply to. Sure. So at CERN, we have like a menu of options. There are a lot of programs in which students and graduates can join. Uh, the one that I'm not gonna go into too much detail, but it's called the short-term internship. It is open all year round. You can apply at any moment in time for the 2023 call. And you can stay here up to six months and as little as one month. Now, this program um, welcomes the students from in the UK. I think it's called like the N HND Diploma NVQ bachelor and master's. So you don't really have to be at the university level. You can be studying at a technical college and mm -hmm. still benefit from an for, for a short experience here at CERN. Now, the most famous internship program we have, it's the technical student program, mm -hmm. which is relevant for the STEM students joining us today. Mm -hmm. Now, for that program, you have to have completed at least 18 months of undergrad studies to benefit from and being eligible actually to apply for the program. And you can stay at CERN for a maximum period of one year. 
in the job description when you read, which is currently open for applications and you can apply via the grad crack, via grad cracker, all our, our opportunities relevant to students are on the grad cracker platform and has been for years. Um, it states that the minimum that you can come for an internship is four months. And this is true. So if you if you only have four months to spare and you want to apply for the technical student program, you can. However, the longer you want to stay and you stay this in the application, the better chances you have to be selected just because the rotation will imagine having one supervisor having to train three times a year, uh, three different uh, three different students. So I think the preference usually it's that you can stay longer than mm -hmm. four months. But if you only have four, six months, you just want to stay one semester, apply anyway. Don't hesitate, but have this in mind. So we welcome applications from students uh, in a wide range of engineer and, and computing uh, students and programs and also applied physics. So when you apply for the program, you can select, well, how can I say? So we have six different vacancies, mm -hmm. the, uh, job descriptions for the part for this technical student program, ranging from mechanical engineering, electronics and electrical engineering as one of the job descriptions, uh, IT, mathematics and computing as another job description, uh, civil engineering is another mm -hmm. one. So we, students often ask, should I just apply for one, but I want to increase my chances. You can apply for as many of those six you would like. So you have a more visibility of your application, but um, and you can apply for as, as little as one. So it depends on, on, on yeah how you're going to have to build the application all over again. So it's about mm -hmm. just consider that. Uh, for this program, yeah, so we welcome uh, bachelor and master's students. Then mm -hmm. we have a graduate program. Uh, just by the way, uh, it's going to close on the 27th of March. So if you are mm -hmm. if you are thinking of applying. Please at least read the job description now, even if you want to build your application, you know, in one month from now, because there are some preparatory documentation that you have to consider. For mm -hmm. example, reaching out to someone at your university to write your reference letter. And because professors and teachers are very busy, better to give them enough notice. And for the graduate programs, uh, we just recently revamped the the graduate programs used to be called junior and senior fellowship programs. Now it's called early careers. So if you are about to graduate from your bachelor or master's degree and have or just, or just graduated and have less than two years of work experience, you can apply for a program called the Origin Program but you mm -hmm. see as early careers professionals and it's currently closed for applications, but we're going to open up in the next uh, three, two to three weeks. And also in this program, because it's a graduate scheme, you can stay at CERN for uh, up to three years. Mm -hmm. Also in a lot of different STEM areas, STEM domains, uh, and including administration, but I know it's not the focus of the students joining today, but just so you know, if you have a neighbor or a, or, you know, a friend that isn't to admin, uh, you, they can also join CERN. Mm -hmm. And also a, the other program, it's called the Quest program. Mm -hmm. for those, it's called the Experienced Project Graduate. So if you have a master's degree and at least two years of experience or are just about to submit your PhD thesis, then you join for this program, but it's just going to open in June. Uh, but just for the audience to understand that no matter where you are in your career right now, uh, CERN have an has an opportunity for you. Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you, Priscilla. That's a really great overview of all the opportunities. And 
for those of you that are here today that are you know looking for that 12 month internship they're open right now on the on the grad crack company hubs to go and get your applications in after the webinar today but if you are looking for a graduate position like Priscilla said they'll be opening in the next two or three weeks and so make sure you go to the Grad Cracker Hub after this follow CERN and then you'll be alerted on the day that those roles go live um thank you so much um, for that um, introduction Adam we're going to be coming back to you a bit later in the webinar just to find out more about the recruitment process and some of the things that Priscilla touched upon there and they're a little bit different about applying to CERN. Um, but for now, we're going to move across to meet the rest of our panel. So we are joined by Ellie and Fergus, who are both technical students at CERN, or as we've just learned, year-long placement students, um, and who both use GradCracker to find out about CERN's opportunities. So to start us off, um, Fergus, where did you go to university? What do you study? And when did you join CERN? All right. Hi. So um, I'm studying uh, electronic engineering at the University of Manchester, and I started CERN last May, May 2022. So I'm, I'm doing a one year technical studentship. So I'll be finishing this May. Fantastic. Thank you, Fergus. And Ellie, where do you go to university? What do you study? And when did you join CERN? Hi. Um, so I go to University of Sheffield. I study general engineering and I've specialised in energy and sustainability. Um, like Fergus, I'm doing my placement at CERN for a year. I've actually managed just to get an extension of two months. So mm -hmm. I will be here for 14 months now, which is um, very exciting. Uh, and I started in July um, Brilliant. last year. Thank you very much. I'm going to hand over to Jess now and she's going to find out even more about your journey so far. I am. Thanks, Sophie. And guys, I'm so excited to speak to you all today. Honestly, I've been geeking away over the weekend thinking, right, what's this? What's that? <laughs> so you're going to have to bear with me when I ask these technical questions because or if I ask you anything that's a bit silly. So just bear with me. But I am so excited to be speaking to you all. So First, I want to find out a bit more about your roles and what life is actually like at CERN. So, um, Ellie, I'll come to you first. So if you could just tell us a bit more about your current role and what, te um, what, what the, the team is like uh, at CERN. So, uh, as I said before, I'm a technical student um, and yeah. I work in the CERN cryogenics lab. And here we do research and development um, for basically a minus 173 degrees Celsius down to minus... 273 um which is essentially as close to absolute zero as you can get like it's very very cold um yeah. because the lhc large hadron collider it needs to operate at very cold temperatures yeah it's one of the coldest places in the world um yeah. so is the cryogenics department where i work yeah um my team is really lovely i um i made a lot of good friends here yeah. um and so i'm doing research on a system with some heat exchangers and I'm trying okay. to basically maximize the efficiency of the system uh, using various methods and I get to work with liquid helium um, okay. mm -hmm. and it's liquid helium at about 4.5 kelvin which is again like minus 269 celsius so it's I work with oh. very very cold things <laughs> so kelvin is a type of temperature gauge isn't it the way how you measure temperature and it's kind of the coldest way of measuring it. yeah so we <laughs> so zero kelvin is zero kelvin. um minus 273.15 uh, degrees celsius and you can't get physically colder than that like there's nothing anywhere in the whole universe the, well i read in the universe yeah in the universe <laughs> 
So um, I've got so many questions, Ellie, that I'm going to come to you now because I'm, I'm just too excited. So I want to know why, how and how much does it take to get, you know, that cold and what you have to do to keep it that cold as well? So tell me a bit about that and what it actually consists of. Um, so in terms of my system, I have something yeah. called a cryo cooler. And it essentially is uh, various pumps, which manages to pump uh, my system down um, and I can get to about 10 Kelvin. Uh, right. I hope it's okay that I talk in Kelvin because <laughs> I can't make this translation. I know what Kelvin is, no, but yeah, before um, I'll be like, what's and so I, I use this uh, cryo cooler and yeah. I have three heat exchangers and obviously okay. heat exchangers is you know, something like what's in your fridge, essentially, yeah. um, okay. exchanges the heat so you can get colder and colder. Um, so by having three heat exchanges, I'm, I managed to uh, boost the efficiency of my system. Yeah. Um, but we also have something called a liquefier. So we liquefy the liquid helium and okay. we store it in a big vat called a dewa. Okay. And when the helium comes out the dewa, it's already in liquid form. So it's already quite cold because it's pressurized. Mm-hmm. Um, so we manage, we don't have to cool it down from, you know, room temperature when we use the, the liquid helium from this big dewa that we have. So, so yeah. I think you kind of answered this then. So do you only have to have it that cold when you are running the hell the LHC or is it all the time you keep it this temperature? Um, well, the LHC runs at about 1.9 Kelvin, which okay. is uh, very, very cold because, you know, zero is the coldest. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what the temperature is at right now of the LHC because okay. the LHC is off right now. So okay. It's not currently. So you right don't now. have that. You don't have to keep it that cold all the time. Then it's just when you're doing the experiments. No, but you have to be careful that it doesn't warm up too much because of the material um mm-hmm. differences because obviously materials shrink when they get cold and you have to be very careful um because it can you know deform and things break when they if it heats up too quickly i see yeah and in terms of the reason why you keep it that cold um that's because we have uh, magnets um yeah. in the lhc and mm-hmm. to run um very good efficiency we want them to be superconducting And that can only happen when they are a certain temperature. So we need to make sure that it stays cold. So the superconducting magnets work. Um, Yeah. So So you have less resistance to current power. Fantastic. So, um, Ellie, I'm going to come back to you on terms of typical projects that you've been working on. Because I know when we did our prep call, you mentioned some really interesting things that I want to delve on as well. But Fergus, I'm going to come to you next, if that's okay. If you could just do a bit more of an introduction about your current role and what your team also looks like at CERN. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm working on digital design for electronics used in the power converters at CERN to power mm-hmm. the CERN accelerator complex. So all of the magnets need the powering that's mm-hmm. electromagnet and needs a certain current. So I'm working on a device that controls these big electrical power converters. Um, yeah, that's what I'm doing at the moment. But also power converters also used throughout CERN for less interesting things like powering this uh, computer or the lights or stuff like that. Yeah. And you manage all of that stuff so from computer lights all the way through to the LHC. Well, our group does. Uh... Mm. Okay. 
yeah, your team does. Tell us a bit about your team then. What what's it kind of look like? And are you in a big group or is it just a small team you work in? So um in my section is about 12 people um from all different uh, nationalities. Brilliant. And then in terms of experience, then is it you that's kind of just in that team that's just on placement? Or are you mixed with other students as well that are out on placement? No, there are yeah, there are lots of lots of students and the students come and go. So there's a, there's a number of three students in my team at the moment, and then oh, there's also some uh, like graduate students as well. Ah, fantastic! I'm just going to jump in. Sorry, Jess. And um, when you and Fergus or Ellie, you could, either of you can answer this. When you applied to CERN, obviously you applied to one of the particular streams that that Priscilla touched upon earlier. You know, electrical engineering, etc. When did you kind of find out that what particular area of CERN you were going to work in, and how did that process work? Did you have any input in that, or was it this is where the particular projects are at the moment? So you receive a email or a call from a supervisor who's interested in uh, hiring you and then they'll give you the project and they'll send you like a document with uh, what you're going to do and you can decide. So sometimes you might have multiple supervisors and you then you can choose which one but usually you just get one supervisor asking. Depends how in demand you are then. <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> Fantastic. Sorry, Jess, I just thought I'd just clarify on how that, that element of it worked, because obviously there's so many different areas that you could work in at CERN. It must be quite overwhelming if you had to choose yourself. So yeah, that's a really good point. Um, so, yeah, in terms of um, Fergus, your, your kind of role then. So in terms of you, you've mentioned your team, but tell us a bit about your setup then. So you mentioned earlier when we spoke again before the session that you're in the office today, you typically tend to work in the office. So tell us a bit about your setup there. Okay, yeah, so I work on something called FPGA engineering. I don't know if that means anything to you, but basically we're designing digital electronics for these chips. And okay. most of the time I'm just using uh, software on the on my PC, uh, different yeah. software to design and simulate this stuff. But then yeah. sometimes we can go into the lab, test the electronics uh, and stuff like that. So that's always fun. Yeah, sounds it. So in terms of the, what kind of tests are you doing then? Is it... Can you tell us a bit about what kind of tests you are running? Yeah, so you just want to verify that you, you make something and you want to verify that it works because this technology can be important. For example, this piece this uh, uh, piece of hardware I'm designing at the moment will be used in a system which is switching, uh, switching 60 megawatts of power. That's the same as uh, 40,000 homes. So you need wow. to test this um, electronics to make sure it's doing the right thing. Because if you blow up one of these capacitors, then it's going to make a big hole. Absolutely. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> wants that. <laughs> and is it going to plan at the moment, Fergus? Yeah, it's going well. I've got so I've got another two months, so I just need to get my project finished up before then. Okay. So, so that, that's the time frame then. You've got to get this project finished in the next two months. Yeah, before my um, before I finish my contracts in May. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Good stuff. Okay, so Ellie, I'm going to come back to you. And if you could just tell us a bit more about exactly what you've been working on in your studentship um, so far. And again, you mentioned about, again, some some projects that you've been working on with a colleague who's doing a PhD. You mentioned that as well before the session. Yeah, so my system uh, was essentially designed um, in someone's PhD that they were writing um in combination with CERN and ESA which is um 
European Space Agency. Yeah. Um, so the the system and the configuration was designed uh, as a it's a remote cooling system because sometimes you have a very radioactive area that you want to cool and that messes up with the cryo fan and the cryo coolers um, yeah. because it, it can be quite sensitive. Um, so you need to have you know distance between your cooling source and what you're actually going to cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's also the case of um, vibrations. So one of the applications for this system is um, it helps to detect um, antimatter. Okay. So okay. Um, they use very sensitive magnets to hold it in place. And for this, you can't have a large cryo cooler right next to it because the vibrations are so much that they disrupt the field. So right. we have to have a remote cooling, which mm-hmm. is what my system is designed for. Um, so we can have the cooling source and then have a wire cool or transfer line cooling um, yeah. the magnets to hold this um, in place. Um, yeah, so that's some of the applications. But for me, I, um, I want to apply the maximum amount of power onto okay. a little heater. Um, to basically simulate something that I need to cool and Mm -hmm. I change different variables in the system so I have different valves that open and close Um, I have the pressure like I can put more or less helium in Um, Mm -hmm. I've been changing the pumps a little bit so we just had a single pump and now I put pump in series and then Mm -hmm. we tried to do it with a vacuum pump because a vacuum pump is a very strong pump Mm -hmm. and um, that didn't really work very well so (laughs) we're going back to the other pumps Um, just to test and we essentially just want to find out the maximum operating conditions and hopefully Mm -hmm. apply my system uh, to a better cryo cooler because my Mm -hmm. cryo cooler is quite old Um, Mm -hmm. and if we can maximize this old cryo cooler and make it really good and efficient then it just shows that if we had a a really good cryo cooler then we could make that very very good and it would be a very high performing system Brilliant. Um, yeah. So yeah, That's, this is really just testing for future applications and seeing, you know, what else we can do with my system. You've touched on really. If you've got, go on. Sorry, go on. So, so it's, it's me, Jess. I just want to say yeah. something, Ellie, because it looks so interesting the description of you know the, your workshop, and I just mm-hmm. wanted to say, do you work in Mena site or Pavisa? And I might potentially want to visit for a, <laughs> a quick tour. <laughs> yeah. So I work in Moran. Um, there's two sites at CERN, by the way. Uh, okay. We don't know. There's two big sites. There's Moran and Prefsan, and uh, Moran is a bigger one uh, where most people work, and Prefsan is a little bit smaller. Um, Fergus works in Prefsan, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> Joking. <laughs> and I work in Moran. Yeah, exactly. Fergus has got the deal. Yeah, so I work in Moran and uh, my lab is very cool. Um, sometimes I, I walk in and I see uh, one of my colleagues like filling a bottle with liquid nitrogen and you see all the gas evaporating oh, wow. around it. Oh. Um, <laughs> right. It is very cool. Yeah, Priscilla's <laughs> planning her trip already. Oh, yeah, no, ideas, ideas. Well, I, li- I like to, you know, uh, contact students and graduates and sometimes experienced professionals when they, they start this, when they start describing their role. I feel like mm. I want to 
would it like I want to materialize it I want to see it so, yeah. yeah Ellie I don't blame you it's not the <laughs> best time to yeah. yeah anyway sorry Jess I was uh, no it's fine no I'm saying Priscilla can you record all this for us because I want to watch it as well I want to know what's going on <laughs> take some pictures or something and send it away um Ellie what I was going to say was about testing and I think something which maybe is a bit of a misconception that I would have about CERN that it would be it you know you maybe wouldn't have the freedom to test and it would be you know you'd have to go quite by the book which I'm sure it is in some cases for health and safety but like you say it's quite exciting from what you're saying and and Fergus in in what you've been saying as well that you get the chance to kind of test and experiment and see what works and what doesn't because I don't know in my mind I think would you be given that freedom that responsibility to do that at this kind of early stage but it sounds that you do get that which sounds great yeah, it is it's really good. I I have a, a lot of responsibility, so I'm like responsible for this system. And, you know, when I leave it overnight, I need to make sure that I've checked all the pressure sensors and that I'm not running the pumps at a silly speed and mm. that my vacuum's not going to explode overnight. So um, yeah. I'd be like, <laughs> it's like when you leave your straighteners on at home and you have to go back and check three times, but about a million times more responsibility than that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they do help us out, obviously. Like obviously, my supervisor... Yeah. Yeah. walked me through it for the first two months like you mm-hmm. you know um but now that I have more experience I can handle my system and he trusts me to follow the steps that he showed me which is really fun which yeah. um sorry go on Fergus yeah definitely I was going to say this the same like you are given uh, responsibility but it's at, it's at it's not at too high a level so much that it's overwhelming and the team is always there to support you and uh, there's no stress along the way. It's a good environment. It's mm, nice. That's good. I think, the, you know, the thing with said is, you know, you do recruit. It's such a large volume of, of students and um, early careers every year and have done for such a long time that, you know, you, you know what students can and can't handle and where to push them and how to mold them to get the best out of them and I think that really shows by the responsibility that you've been you know just by talking to Fergus and Ellie um you know kind of shows that you know you do respect them and you know you give them that responsibility they need um Ellie I just wanted to ask you a, a quick question cryogenics obviously everything that you've talked about goes 100% over my head but it's absolutely fascinating did you have any experience or know anything about cryogenics before you started working at CERN no I had no idea I just thought cryogenics <laughs> was where they froze people um, to yeah. keep them from aging <laughs> that's exactly it's what I said to Jess that. after our call <laughs> yeah like because so when I got the email um saying uh this person would like to speak to you about their project. They work in the cryogenics department. Um, you'll be looking at this counterflow heat exchanger system with a cryofan. I was like, what? <laughs> no, no. I, met, I was like emailing my lectures and I was like, please, can you tell me everything you can tell oh. me about cryogenics? So I don't sound really stupid. Um, no. <laughs> but then when I had the, it wasn't really an interview. It was just a call to discuss the project. Um, my supervisor, he was like, yeah, like, we don't expect you to know anything, but, um, you know, we'll teach you about it. So it's uh, wow. it's very good. I mean, some people have done modules on cryogenics before mm. they got here, but my university didn't do cryogenics specifically. So it was a bit of a shock, but it's very yeah. cool. Like, it's I think that's great as well that, you know, you don't have to have that experience to go and work in one of these departments and be trusted with such, you know, delicate and massive equipment um 
So I think that's just a really nice point to, to touch on. Yeah, definitely. Um, Vegas, I'm going to come back to you. Um, if you could tell us a bit more, anything else you want to kind of add about your technical studentship so far? You know, like you say, you've got a couple of months left. But if, is there a particular project, particular experience you want to talk about? Yeah, I mean, I guess I was going to talk about uh, some of the stuff outside of just the work, or are we yeah, saying that for later? Yeah, so I guess, um, I guess, so one thing was the uh, CERN relay race. That was good. So every year, uh, there's a big relay race around the um, Moran site, and mm-hmm. everyone is getting involved. Everyone's either watching, everyone at CERN is either watching or taking part in the relay race. That, mm-hmm. uh, that was really fun. Mm-hmm. And also, the there's a certain powerlifting society, which I did not, I didn't expect there to be. Uh, no. Maybe just a stereotype, but yeah, I've been going to that. It's been really good. I've met some cool people. Wow. So, so yeah, there's lots of stuff outside of just the work to do when you're here. Yeah, definitely. You hear from the experience I've had with with CERN over the years that it's it sounds like it's kind of like a campus feel, you know, almost a bit like a university in that sense. You know, lots of people coming and going. You know, from you know international, you know, people coming in and out, and you know, experiences in terms of you know not just like you said, just about the day job. You know, experiences that are you know there to enthuse and excite everyone no matter what you know where you're from and I think it sounds really exciting you know earlier you were saying about you know even just the wildlife that you have roaming around and things like that <laughs> tell us a bit about that Vegas because earlier we talked about the deers yeah yeah you see all kinds like there's a woodpecker outside my uh outside my office I see it every morning it's like eating the grass you got loads of deer um mm-hmm. Yes, it's and it's a very pretty area. You've got the Jura Mountain in the background, and it's got snow on the peaks at the moment, which is really nice. And you can see if the if the um, sky is really clear, you can see Mont Blanc and the Alps in the uh, wow. in the background. Wow. So. Yeah, it's very beautiful. Like yeah. I've every morning I try to record um coming over because there's like a hill that you come over before you go for me at least before I go down to my lab and when the sky is clear I can literally see Mont Blanc and the Alps Mm -hmm. and it's just honestly it's so beautiful like it's amazing it really is Mm sounds incredible I've seen quite a few of these pictures on LinkedIn so I'm I'm friends with obviously Priscilla on LinkedIn but also Anna that I used to work with at CERN and you quite often see pictures from them about you know their walk to work or what it's like in the summer and I was sat there thinking so beautiful beautiful. (laughs) Um, we had had, uh, also from one of the restaurants you can see the vineyards because we are in our in a region Mm -hmm. full of vineyards and there is a sentence that uh, apparently an employee from CERN, I don't know who, but they <laughs> coined a sentence that they coined that that's something like CERN is a state, a lab, I uh in a university campus, and I don't know something else, and we that and that means that everything we do here is unique, and it is mm-hmm. we have our own rules and regulations. We are not really strictly bound to Swiss or French law. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we are. Part of our buildings and the accelerators in the front is in the French side of the border. Part is in the Swiss. Yeah. So I think we complement well what uh, what Ellie and the Fergus were, were saying. It is spectacular, and I also see the Mont Blanc when I commute in the morning when I walk to CERN, and uh, mm-hmm. and from my office I can also see the Judah with snow, and it's yeah, it's really beautiful. 
There is something I do want to ask you about because I spoke to one of my lovely contacts at Bristol yesterday and she was actually lucky enough to come and visit you guys. And um, she said, oh, ask them all about the canteen because apparently (laughs) and the food at CERN is amazing. She said the the experience that she had even just at the canteen was amazing. (laughs) Well, one of the the things um, that's quite funny about CERN is that we have three restaurants and um, I cannot think of a more physicist named restaurant it's R1, R2 and R3 (laughs) (laughs) and the food in R1 and R2 is good I've not really been to R3 but um, that's Fergus's domain (laughs) yeah so I'm working on the French side in Peloton and maybe the food is not quite the same as in Switzerland but it's quite amazing how, because they're quite close and sometimes they have these e-bike schemes so you can cycle between the sites. Oh, so yeah. I can just say if I want to eat at uh, R1, I can just cross the border on my e-bike at lunch, uh, go and eat at R1 and then cycle back. And sometimes the team team goes to do that. It's a good trip. So That's so cool. Sounds yeah, like it really does. All on your bicycle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to um, go. Fergus, before we kind of move on to doing some misconceptions and stuff, one of the things that you'd mentioned during our prep session was that you ended up on Polish TV. And I just kind of want to get you to explain why and how that happened. (laughs) Ah, yes. Okay. So basically, so my uh, supervisor, Swabov, was recently selected by the European Space Agency to be a reserve astronaut. Uh, So he got quite a lot of publicity in Poland. So uh all our team he wanted to do like a coffee of all our team and the uh polish tv crew came in and filmed it and we're all sitting there drinking our coffee and they were filming us so yeah that's an experience i would never have had uh uh working anywhere else and yeah and this shows some of the amazing people you can meet while you're working here so i know i mean the fact that you're working with an astronaut is you know quite cool (laughs) it is it's cool it's cool (laughs) <laughs> all right Jess sorry go on <laughs> well we we're going to talk a bit next about you kind of move kind of moving away from the day job a bit and you we've kind of spoke a bit about kind of the extracurricular activities that you've been involved in um but Ellie is there anything else that you want to add apart from Polish TV and Diaz <laughs> um well a cool thing that you can do at CERN so well not at CERN in Geneva um there's the UN um, United mm-hmm. Nations and they have like a UN beach and because we work at CERN we get access to this UN beach and it's it's just really cool because oh wow like you're allowed to go to this private beach which is like for you know people from the UN and um it feels very special yeah, <laughs> and you can see uh, Mont Blanc again from there mm-hmm. and it's on the lake Geneva mm-hmm. um was mm-hmm. it um and you can take out like little boats say they have like peddler boats um, oh. in the summer um mm-hmm. one of the first things Fergus and I did together was we went out on the peddler boat yes so of course so for the audience watching you two live together don't you yeah so that was by chance wasn't it that obviously that you guys were both on the the webinar today yeah complete chance yeah I just saw the advert for uh the flat online and uh, signed up and 
Fergus, oh, you know <laughs> um, so next, I think we're going to talk a bit, a bit about misconceptions. Up, Sash. We are indeed. Thank you, Jess. Um, yeah. So what I wanted to cover now is I think there's a few things that when you look at an organization like CERN, it can be a bit daunting or a little bit scary because of you know how well known, how respected it is and the incredible things that go on there. Um, so I just wanted to cover some of your misconceptions, preconceptions that you might have had before starting to work at CERN, or some that are quite common when you've been speaking to other students. Um, so Fergus, can you kind of tell us your thoughts around that? Yeah, so I guess one preconception I had was that um, there'd be all these super smart, intelligent people, but they'd all be, everyone would be like suit and tie, um, it would all be very formal, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, very like academic environment. But while the first thing is right, you do meet loads of super intelligent people. Um, they're all very down to earth, all very mm-hmm. helpful, and just like normal people. So, mm-hmm. and it's great. So, sitting at coffee, and at the start, you're listening to them, and they're using all these talking about these complex systems using all these co- all these crazy acronyms and you don't know what they're on about. But then slowly as you uh, listen in, you can start to understand what they're talking about. And then you realize mm-hmm. that as everyone is just, it's just normal people who have, mm-hmm. who are interested in science. So. Fantastic. Yeah, I think um, that's definitely a preconception that I would have had. And, you know, every time I speak to CERN and people at CERN, I just always get the the feel that everyone is just so lovely and down to earth. But I think before I started working with CERN, I kind of had this, everyone's a Sheldon Cooper kind of like in my (laughs) mind, (laughs) which I know is not right now that I work with CERN, but I think as an outsider, especially as a student, and I know this is something that Fergus and Ellie, when we were taught before, you know, you didn't even realize that CERN would even offer opportunities to undergraduates and graduates um, because that's kind of the perception around CERN is that it is these super, super, super smart. Not that you guys aren't super, super, super smart, obviously. Um, but I think that that's definitely something that I had that um, thought, Fergus, and it's it's good to hear that you kind of you had that. And hopefully that kind of blows that away from to the students that are they're watching today. So if just add that because it goes back to Ellie's point, you know, I think. I think people maybe the misconception also could be that you know you're gonna have to know everything about everything to do with CERN before you apply but that was kind of classic your example Ellie you know you you didn't you didn't know about cryogenics at first and you know you had to get a bit of advice before you know you you know you went into the role that you're in and it's just a perfect example it's okay not to know um and you know this is part of the journey you will get to know when you're there so uh, yeah it's just a, just a bit of a point um, that leads me back on Ellie I know you had um, some of your preconceptions that you wanted to touch upon as well yeah so for me I um, I assumed that everyone working at Sam would be you know like 10 years into their career and that mm-hmm. there would be you know a lot of like older people and mainly men and that I would just not have any friends my age or there wouldn't be co-workers my age but it's not like that at all it's crazy like (laughs) it's literally like being back at university like there are so many young people Mm -hmm. um and it's it's a really good social life um you know there's lots of different clubs you can join and all the young people you know meet up and get together you know my office Mm -hmm. um well in my department really there's you know I have got a nice team and like there's a lot of you know young people technical students and fellows and interns and you know we all just got on really well but even mm-hmm. 
you know, with the people who are a bit further into their career, you don't feel like you're a student, like you're treated like you work there. Like you, you, mm-hmm. you're treated like you got the job like everyone else because mm-hmm. like, at the end of the day you did. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't feel like I'm a student and everyone else is like a, a lecturer or a teacher kind of um, feel. It, mm-hmm. it does feel like they're my co-workers and it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like um, inferior because <laughs> mm-hmm. I was worried that I would just not feel um, at home but it's yeah. very welcoming and there's you know a lot of young people to put your ease and there's actually a lot of women in my team um, mm-hmm. CERN is doing a scheme it's 25 by 25 um, mm-hmm. so they want to get 25 percent women by 2025 um, Fantastic. and in my team in the cryogenics department there are a lot of women I'd say mm-hmm. m- maybe even 50 50 um, fantastic which is nice it's nice yeah to see that representation that's brilliant thank you Ellie. yeah I think um, again it's something that I think a lot of our students probably watching today would probably have that that preconception that it is probably older people but you know it is such a, a great cohort of, of young engineers and scientists at CERN and obviously we're going to hear a little bit more about kind of that that life and how you kind of got to living where you are and stuff like um in a few minutes Ellie but Priscilla going to come to you now about one of the preconceptions so this this is more in kind of the recruitment world but you kind of go on to to what you want to talk about there sure for the recruitment side like you know adam and i we attend uh, a lot of uh, events to bring attention to students to, to to come to CERN and also graduates and experienced professionals as i mentioned before and even before i applied as well uh and is the case including engineer engineering students like Ellie and Fergus when I reach out to them and graduate sometime I you know I've a few months ago I remember there was this engineer and she had two master's degree including one in aerospatial engineer mm-hmm. and another one in general engineering and when I approached her to talk about CERN she was so scared because she thought like, yeah, but I'm not a theoretical physicist. I don't have a PhD. I have, mm. well, then she had her printed CV. This is my CV. Then I read, <laughs> what? Uh, I stand for graduate in aerospace engineering. I mean, she studied in the US, but she was from one of our member states. And I thought, of course, you have a place at CERN. So uh, we had this myth that, you know, we only hire physicists when in reality mm-hmm. only two to three percent of our staff members are uh, particle phys- uh, uh, particle physicists mm-hmm. majority of our recruitments um, we are looking for engineers so mm-hmm. especially mechanical electrical mechatronics but and a bit less so but also uh, civil engineering general engineering mm-hmm. so um yeah, you don't have to have a PhD and you don't mm-hmm. have to be a physicist to come to CERN. You don't even have to study at STEM, as I mentioned before. We have a, yeah. a whole a whole complex, you know, with all the support, the administrative uh, uh, departments as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think I I, I I couldn't agree more. When I, when I again, when I first started working with CERN, I had the same preconception that, you know, it was physicists. Um, but yeah, I mean, even when you look on the hub and you've mentioned civil engineering, it's not something I would have ever associated with CERN, yes, but yes. there's lots of opportunities there. So um, yeah, so that's really, really interesting. I think, and, you know, drill that into everybody listening today. Yeah. It's not just physicists. <laughs> and, and Sophie, I remember even when I was, when I, during my interview process that even though I was studying a lot about CERN before my interview, I still thought we were hiring academics and I kept referring mm. the interview to academics hire, academics hire. And they were just saying, no, but we 
we don't hire academics. <laughs> and I thought, okay. So it took a while for me to understand, uh, you know, that mm. even uh, students in the ba- doing even a uh, degree lower than the bachelor, like this mm. uh, high national diploma, they still can come to CERN as a gr- so-called graduate in mm-hmm. one of our graduate schemes. So, yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Thank you, Priscilla. Um, and then Adam, finishing with you on misconceptions and preconceptions, tell us what you think. Yeah, so also I, before I joined and also what I hear from people, um, it's a it's a big step, of course, uh, going abroad. So uh, the relocation process was uh, really, um, it's care for me. But um, actually, it's not that not that bad at all, because, no. um, because CERN actually helps with all this onboarding process, you get like, a, to-do list what you should prepare for you have access to internal marketplace so you can really ensure your housing either on the swiss or french side mm-hmm. um even i was afraid if um if i can find something um even though i don't speak french but it wasn't a problem uh, at all uh, in the end um and also the second thing is like isn't it too expensive because sometimes there is this misconception that switzerland is very expensive Yes, of course, some prices are much higher, but um, when you read uh, through our job uh, job position on GregFaker, you know what the allowance is mm-hmm. for each program, and I can assure you that, uh, that it's counted well, so you can uh, easily survive here, pay the rent, mm-hmm. and then have fun and have a proper life here. Absolutely. And yeah, lovely. I think um, that leads us on very nicely to find out a little bit more about that that kind of relocation piece from Fergus and Ellie, because I completely agree with you, Adam, you know, as a student, especially looking for a placement year or maybe even a short term internship, it can seem like a really big step to go to a different country to undertake that placement. Um, but I know that obviously Fergus and Ellie, we touched upon the fact that you've ended up living together. Um, but can you just kind of talk a little bit more about the relocation process and some of the things that you you utilize to kind of help you during that? Um, Ellie, starting with you. Yeah. So um, when I got accepted into CERN, um, after having a meeting with my supervisor, um, he told me that I should request to join some, like a young at CERN Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And there they have like a marketplace and loads of posts and discussions. And um, one of them was like housing. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's where I found the flat um, because I saw it was posted on this marketplace. And um, I was a bit nervous to sign for a house that I'd never seen because I I wasn't Mm going to be able to get there before um, I signed for the house, the flat. But um, I had a call with the, the previous, the girl who was in my room before. And then I, I spoke to Fergus on the call and um, and the landlord was so friendly and it just worked out. Um, it was very easy. Um, mm-hmm. But also if, if you are a bit nervous to sign a contract for something like that before actually seeing the house, you can stay at the CERN hostel. So there is a hostel um, at CERN on the CERN site. And there's also one, in the Saint-Genis, which is uh, the village in France where we live. It's where Mm -hmm. a lot of the young people at Saint live Mm -hmm. on the French side because it's a bit cheaper. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And um, so, yeah, there's a hostel there for Saint and then there's also a hostel on the Saint site and you can um, you can stay there until you find a place. Um, It's really nice. Fantastic. So in Fergus, did you have the same experience? Is that how you found where you're currently living before obviously Ellie moved in? Um yeah, exactly the same. Yeah. And I I just I just uh, planned it ahead in advance so I didn't have to find a house while 
while I was working here. I found a house uh, like uh, before I moved moved over, and then mm-hmm. I just I had to stay in the hostel one night, and I moved into my house in uh, in France. So that was good. But I guess yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's also, there's also uh, like other groups. Like there's a Discord group, uh, WhatsApp group. So you can, if you have any concerns or you're worried, uh, you can always. Uh, There's always someone to help you. Yeah, you can always yeah. contact people. Yeah, it's really Fantastic. funny because so I was struggling. I I wasn't sure what to do for my visa because CERN had sent me some information about it and they started to help me, but I was just a bit panicky because you know you're moving to a new country obviously yeah you're going to be panicky no matter how much help you get um Mm -hmm. so I was messaging on this whatsapp group and then someone replied and they talked to me and I was like oh great thanks and um and then I came to CERN and I made some friends and I realized that the person who had messaged me from the whatsapp group is now like one of my best friends here which is crazy um, (laughs) you know I was in contact with him before Mm -hmm. now he's like my best friend who I hang out with so Aww. it was I was really cool because yeah. um the fact that you can you know make contacts before you even get here it helps you you know feel a bit more settled yeah um because it yeah, is definitely very just moving to a whole other country on your own <laughs> but yeah absolutely you know, it's like a few people that you already have spoken to or texted it makes you feel a bit better yeah definitely. absolutely yeah, no, I think I think you're right, Ellie. You know, no matter how much support you've got, it's always going to be a daunting process. But I think that's the same with starting any job. Whether you know being in a different country adds a, an extra step of nerves. Um, but you know, starting a new job and moving anywhere is, is always going to be daunting. But you know, there's so much that that's happening at certain to kind of support you through that process. Fergus, can you tell us a little bit more about this little village, which is basically a little CERN village, and, and, and you know what, what that's like? Well, it's not. It's not only a little CERN village. I no, think I the, locals, the locals would be offended at that. But um, yeah, yeah. So there's a the nearest town uh, in France is called Saint Julien, and uh, it's got like a supermarket. It's got um, it's got pharmacy. It's got uh, a cheese shop. Um, so the, when you go into the shop, the people working there will be French, so they won't speak to you in English. So you do need to learn a little bit of French for the for the shop, uh, just like buying more groceries, like say, oh, can I pay my card or how much is this bread or something like that. You need to learn that level. But there are the uh, there's courses that serve for French. So what's not required to work, it's not required if you're a student to learn French. It is provided. Uh, some quite good courses so I'm glad you said that because both of you your pronunciation is very good it sounds like you know (laughs) yeah it wasn't when we arrived when I came to the (laughs) airport the the guy at the border he said oh where are you saying and I was like oh Saint Genis Puyli and (laughs) he was like what he was like you mean Sochini (laughs) Puy yeah oh that's that's fantastic Again, it's another sounds experience, like you've been, isn't it? Another it is, yeah. Skill to have. Yeah. Again, probably wouldn't get that with any other sort of um, internship exactly. or placement, yeah. <laughs> um, brilliant. Thank you so much for giving us an overview of um, how all of that works and relocation and, you know, everything that you've talked us through so far. Um, I'm going to come back to Adam now just so that we can kind of get now to the, the details of, you know, how you apply to CERN and what is the recruitment process. So, Adam, could you give us that overview, please? 
Of course. So then after going through the, the our position uh, on GregFacker and you find the one that is uh, just for you, um, mm -hmm. then I advise you to go really strictly of the re uh, of the eligibility criteria and the required documentation so you mm -hmm. can start building and strengthening your application. It all starts on our in this online application form where you fill in this form. Um, th those are just basic, basic information about you. Um, but also then you actually start to uh, create your profile in so-called smart recruiters, which is uh, our platform which we use. And it is, um, it's actually like you need to write your experience and your university studies. And in this case, because usually you also upload your CV, um, but you try to be really strict to the points in your CV, but uh, rather in, on this side, you can be um, as specific as possible. So really use the right keywords um, and everything you think is relevant, you would like to share about yourself. Also, you get the chance to show your motivation. Uh, so don't forget about this. And um, then... Um, it's always also um, good to think like for what what is actually your idea how you want what would you like to do at CERN so you so you actually um, can be visible for the potential supervisors mm -hmm. then when everything uploaded everything went went well um, after the deadline which for the technical studentship is uh, again on the 27th of March we will check all the applications if your application is complete you will get the message from us and this message will also invite you to a video interview this video interview is actually asynchronous so you would record yourself answering a few basic questions about about yourself you can mm -hmm. even like um, use this opportunity to strengthen your application even more so you can show more your motivation uh, some specific situations um, to show like how you actually um, work in a team or how you achieve goals um, what are you proud of etc etc so it's actually very exciting even though it might be a bit stressful so be prepared technically so uh, everything like your microphone your uh, your headphones that everything was your internet connection of course and um and then uh, only to that you know what maybe awaits you is that you have a limited time uh, to answer the questions on this video interview so you have two minutes to answer one minute to prepare in general and only one um uh, no retake so you have only one chance to to take it so really uh, take the efforts to do so but don't mm -hmm. worry you are going to be guided uh, throughout the whole system and Fantastic. then what you can expect there is a bit um longer time uh, that you might not hear back from us because then actually the applications are shared across all the departments so every um potential supervisor has the chance um to reach you out to find uh, if uh, you are the um uh, the right person for their project. Um, so then you might be contacted uh, during the next, uh, if I'm not mistaken, two, two and a half months by a potential supervisor uh, until the selection committee. And the selection committee in this case, again, with the uh, technical student program is then in June. So in June uh, is actually the latest um, deadline where you could hear back from us with actually the final result. But of course, in the meantime, someone from CERN can reach out to you as uh, Fergus and Ellie were also mentioning. Um, and then after that, maybe it's also important to say, uh, 
when actually is the date you could start. So mm -hmm. after that, you are going to be given all the information with the onboarding after signing the contract. Uh, there is everything prepared, as I've mentioned, all those to-do lists, etc., etc. And usually the, the earliest starting date is like two months after the selection committee. So with this round, you could uh, join CERN August, September this year. Mm -hmm. So this is the overview for the grad a graduate program. It's almost the same, but this time a bit shorter because it's mm -hmm. open four times a year. So there the waiting period on your result is, uh, um, I think, one month shorter okay. than it's with the student. Fantastic. Um, and Adam, the documentation that you mentioned at the beginning, what, what do the students need to supply as part of their application? Yeah. So for the technical student program, it's definitely the CV. And mm -hmm. then we also need to um, check your tra transcript of uh, records, the most uh, most recent one. Uh, mm -hmm. So we also can check the eligibility criteria, criteria as we've mentioned, the 18th completed months of studies. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we need a reference letter, ideally from a university professor. So this is also something to keep in mind. Uh, mm -hmm. So you start preparing before the application deadline, because all the these documents need to be uploaded um, until the application deadline, because then mm -hmm. sometimes happens that some people misunderstand this and um, they don't apply the reference letter. And I think it's a pity then to mm. be rejected only because of that. So yes. Yeah, prepare in advance. And for the graduate program, is uh, it's uh, almost the same. You can that this time the reference letter is uh, not mandatory, mm -hmm. but we will need, of course, your uh, highest achieved diploma, or if not obtained yet, the transcript of records. But it's always okay. clearly stated in the vacancies. Great stuff. Thank you very much, Adam. Jessica. Oh, I'm just dying just quickly to ask if Ellie or Fergus, do you have any kind of top tips? for students listening in to either get, you know, those extra, you know, references in or anything about, you know, the application process, you know, the video interview, just a quick top tip that you would give to either younger self now or anyone listening. So I think it's quite specific. It doesn't apply to all streams, but if you're in, uh, if you're applying for like a programming role or a uh, hardware role, electronics, and you have a cool project that you've worked on, yeah, uh, it would be recommended to um, get put it into a Git repo and upload it to like, something like GitHub. Yeah, make sure it's formatted well. Mm -hmm. It has a nice file structure. Add like a README, and so the suit and you can put that in your CV. This is what my supervisors recommend. Yeah, to me. And then they can see like what you've uh, what you've done and that you know how to use. Uh, yeah, and stuff like that. So that's a, that's one tip. Brilliant, Brilliant tip there, Fergus. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, really good. <laughs> um, for me, the application process is, was kind of a blur because I didn't really expect that I would actually get the place. So for me, it was just more of a practice um, application. <laughs> <laughs> that's a massive compliment to you then, Ellie. <laughs> I, I really just, I had no idea that I would be able to get this. So, um, I was oh. very relaxed in my interview because I yeah. kind of just took it you know, I'm just gonna see how it goes, um, be as relaxed as possible, be yeah. friendly, um, smile. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah, that's good. Just I think that's a great tip though, just, yeah. Yeah, I guess just being relaxed really helped because my friend was in a similar situation and she was also relaxed and she got her placement. Um, mm -hmm. So 
yeah i think being relaxed and just being open and friendly because your employers they want to work with you like they have to work with you for a year you, they want to work with someone they can relate to or that absolutely is um yeah that's uh, enjoyable yeah, to be great around, so. brilliant thank you ellie and adam any hints and tips that you would give to our audience about putting in a successful application and standing out during the interviews yeah, I would repeat myself again with the be as specific as possible. Also mm -hmm. not showing only hard skills, but also uh, don't forget about your soft skills because uh, as Ellie mentioned, uh, you, the, the potential supervisors want to see uh, with whom they are going to work with. So um, they, they, uh, you need to show that you are a team player, that you can behave, that you achieve some goals, that you have some uh, values, etc. But don't forget about this because sometimes uh, people forget that. And the other thing, if you are asked during your uh, selection process about any situation you were in and how you react in this situation, uh, don't forget to add your the particular uh, particular examples of what you did, mm -hmm. how you achieved this goal, and. Um, yeah, exactly. How and how you how, what what was actually the procedure? How you get to the mm. uh, to the point? So yeah, this well, was making like the star method, don't they? So exactly. Like this is the start. Yeah. Action result. Exactly. Like a lot. So yeah, definitely use that. That's a good show. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's um something that students can quite often forget. You know, be specific. Use the star example. Um, and you know that'll stand out in the interview. So thank you so much for that, Adam. We're going to finish with a couple of quick fire rounds like we, we often do during the webinars um, and some of my favourite questions. So we're going to start with what is your favourite thing about working at CERN? And Fergus, starting off with you. So I think my favourite thing about working at CERN has been uh, living in a new country for a year and learning a lot about a lot from all the people I've met. Fantastic. Ellie? Um, mine would be the working environment. Everyone is just very friendly and open and they're always up for doing something at the weekend, you know, like we go skiing and we go hiking. It's just the working environment is just really nice. Like just the people here really, um, really make it what it is. Brilliant. And Priscilla? First of all, discerns mission and, and purpose and values speaks to me a lot uh, we are mm -hmm. not for profit and we are open source mm -hmm. and also i think everybody mentioned about the at, at, at to a larger extent or or, or less ex, um, lesser extent about this the culture at cern mm -hmm. um i'm always happy on mondays and <laughs> we have yeah and i have lunch at the restaurants with people not not only like i don't work on a silo not only from hr but even our the next building is the building of theoretical physicists work mm -hmm. and sometimes i go to to have lunch even with them and mm -hmm. with a lot of engineers and uh honestly i feel comfortable to talk about astrological sign with the theoretical physicists and they laugh <laughs> at me but you know like they're uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but yeah it's, it's the the day-to-day -day life to take a scooter to go to our meeting room we can have the bike or scooters so this this day-to-day -day life at CERN that for me is incredible amazing thank you Priscilla and Adam for me it's this uh, university and leisure vibe uh, we have at CERN that I can go to library um, I can actually uh, borrow any book I want and I can join any club I want I meet a lot of people uh, like my peers but I can also uh, learn from people that are in their career and in their life uh, much mm -hmm. further and we are still on the same level so this is what I enjoy amazing 
Um, I mean, it's out. Yeah, <laughs> I, some, I sometimes get to the end of the webinar and just like it sounds so amazing. Um, uh-huh. And yeah, it sounds like you've all had having amazing experiences at CERN. Um, we're going to finish with our cool or interesting fact about CERN. Um, so Fergus, starting with you. Okay, my cool fact is that um, CERN were, were some of the first people to industrialize the capacitive touchscreens, which is on your phone uh, in the 1970s, early 1970s. It was used in the uh, SPS control center. Uh, SPS is one of the accelerators in CERN that feeds into the LHC. So in the 90s before the LHC was made. So I thought that was cool. I mean, yeah, the fact that when you said 19s, I was expecting you to say like 1990s or something, but 1970s is just incredible, isn't it? Um, Ellie, over to you. Um, so CERN actually gets sheep to maintain their grassy areas. Um, mm-hmm. And every few years, they test uh, one of the sheep for radioactivity. Since the sheep graze the grass that's growing mm-hmm. at CERN, it's a, good, uh, it's a good measure of the radioactivity of the area in the soil. And that was quite um, brilliant. Funny. I love that one. I was cycling one. into work one day and I just saw some sheep. I'm guessing they're not radioactive though, Ellie. They're all okay. I hope not. They don't look Brilliant. And Priscilla? Um, yeah, I love to learn these cool facts about CERN and I'm always trying to hunt for them. But for, for me, it's the fact that the CMS detector. Is, which is one of our four main detectors at CERN. Uh, it's heavier than the Eiffel Tower. It contains about 10,000 tons of uh, iron, which is more than uh, iron than the Eiffel Tower contains. And also the Atlas detector, which is another very famous detector at CERN, uh, is as big as a five-story building. There's a very famous photo where a scientist is like, there's a, a dot that is a scientist and the whole uh, majestic instrument, uh, the whole yeah. atlas behind uh, the scientist, yeah. I mean, the scale is just huge, isn't it? You, you can't wrap your mind around it until you get examples like that. Um, and Adam, finishing with you. Yeah, for those that didn't know, at CERN, actually, the World Wide Web was invented by a British scientist, which was uh, Tim uh, Berners-Lee, mm-hmm. and it was in 1989. So thanks to thanks to that, we can actually run this webinar and be here together. And um, if you once they, if one day uh, visit CERN, you can also go to the office and there's like a golden place and there you can like see where the World Wide Web was born and on our web page, actually, you can go to the link and see how the first actually uh www um uh so uh like um yeah looked so oh, yeah, wow. amazing fantastic um i mean it's been brilliant listening to you all today so thank you so much for joining us and giving us such an amazing insight into applying to and working at cern um, as always, the recording of this webinar will be available for our students to watch later this afternoon on the CERN Company Hub and in the Gradcracker Career Centre. And we'll also then break this up into bite-sized chunks and highlights for you as well. Remember, our employers absolutely love it when you tell them that you have watched their webinar, as they know that means that you will already have a good understanding of them as an organisation and it shows that you have a real interest in working for them. So students looking for a placement, remember right now the technical studentships are open for applications and the graduate roles will be opening in the next couple of weeks. So either apply or follow to be alerted. Um, So that's all for this season, folks. We'll be back again in September this year with season four of the Gradcracker webinars, where we'll be joined by some more incredible employers. These will be listed in the Gradcracker Career Centre over the summer.
thank you once again to our wonderful panel from CERN and we'll see you all in September. Thank, thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.